welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, friend. I am so glad that you are here today because I just need a light, easy, breezy girlfriend chat. And the vibe I am picking up is that maybe you do as well. As you know from Instagram, this last week has been incredibly hard. Um, Our site for the Elliot Excellence Journal shop disappeared 15 hours before we were set to launch. Literally disappeared, does not exist anymore. Uh, This makes absolutely no sense. One would have to go in and click multiple buttons to make this happen. We have a very small team of brilliant, experienced, responsible people that I trust implicitly. It was literally my husband who was on an airplane, myself who was not in there, and my two right-hand team members who also were not in there. It was there at 2.45. We slacked about it because the captions weren't showing up right on a certain video. And then we came back at 4.15 and it was just gone. And we cannot explain this. And it's been really interesting sharing, you know, this has been a hard, it's been a hard weekend, it's been a hard month, it's been a hard 2023, it's been a hard 20 months, to be quite honest, around here. And I first started sharing the real hardness in August, and it's, I don't even think I have fully processed yet what it means what the experience has been like to share grief. I've talked about this before in episodes. The fact that I'm generally, I'm not sharing details about the scenarios that I'm going through yet. And because of that, it's allowing people to resonate just even more broadly. And so I'm so aware, I think, just how much people are hurting and I'm just even sort of pondering, like, how much do we work on ourselves, which is so much of what we're doing here on the podcast, and that that matters. Like, the working on myself is how I have survived the last 20 months. It's all of the years of wisdom before that and using them and utilizing them and tuning into them. But then also, we just need joy. We just need escapism and we just need lightness. And in the last few days, this is a word that I've been coming back to. If you're a member of the Elegant Excellence community, I think this might be our topic for April. Sneak peek, don't hold me to it, but I'm thinking that choosing lightness and all of the different angles of what that means to just acknowledge things are so hard and heavy And we want to be leaning into our personal development and our mindset and our inner wisdom and all of that. And that doesn't have to feel heavy, but it also can take a lot of mental energy and it can feel like a lot of work sometimes. And so I'm just wondering what it might look and feel like to have more lightness. And I don't think I'm alone because I asked on stories what kinds of topics you were interested in. This was maybe a month ago or something on, uh, regarding the podcast. And of course, not everyone's going to be aligned on everything, but anything I threw out was like, I don't know, 70 to 80% of people were like, that applies to me. And another group said it doesn't. And then I put out something that was along the lines of like girlfriend chats that was just like stories, things that are going on. And that was far and away the highest of everyone saying yes. And I think that got on my radar a little bit then in addition to like this reels that I just posted about what happened with the website. I'll link that below in the description and also the temporary site that we scrambled to get up. The Elegant Excellence Journals are out. They started arriving yesterday on Monday. People are posting them inside the Elegant Excellence community. People order them right away on Friday. They shipped so quickly, someone was like, oh, whoops, I ordered the wrong one 20 minutes ago. And it was like 
uh, it already left the warehouse. <laughs> like they were on it. So they are ready to ship out. And there is not a lot of information on that website because it was put together in a couple of hours and because we are rebuilding the real website. But I hosted an incredible reveal party. And when I say incredible, I don't mean like hair flip. I was so incredible. I mean, your energy was so incredible. It really was wonderful. It's like your response to the hard thing. And, I, and when I say your, I hope that you hear people's. People's response when it's your life to really hard things is a lot of incredible empathy. It is somewhat shocking how many people can relate and want to send love. We know what it feels like to hurt. We know what it feels like to grieve, to lose, to be disappointed, any of those things. And also were wonderful right in the, off the heels of that, of trying to kind of rally around one another. It is interesting that then if I go post a reels just, and not that I really did reels yet that were like celebrating the journal coming because I had somebody sort of held on to those, but you know, the little teasers that are coming out, it's like those get a fraction of the engagement on Instagram when you're like, hey, this really hard thing that I've been working on that you guys have asked for and that I poured all this love into, like it's coming. And that we're sort of like, okay, cool, thumbs up. And then when you're like, it died. People are like, no, like we will be here. We will rally behind you. And I get it because there is a lot going on in the world. And really the hard stuff is what kind of stops us in our tracks and gives us that deep empathy. And yet we also really love the the light stuff. I mean, I know that the content, I'm the harder that things have gotten in the last 20 months, I need lighter and lighter content to consume. I either am listening to things that, yes, are in the hard with me, Pema Chodron's, things fall apart, like deep meditative teachers, like the self-help, the wisdom, all of that for sure. And then also just like comedy and interior design and just the absolute lightest things that there can be. And so I'm pondering if that's something for us to do more here on the podcast and kind of toggle back and forth between more mental health stuff and also just lighter girlfriend chat. So we will see. I think this is a transition season for me in the coming months and just the upcoming seasons that I see. And I am curious to see how that works for all of us because I think I just do, I see us differently, our community now that I've really started sharing just just grief, just non-specific, simple, universal loss, mourning, I think I'm more aware than ever that we can all feel that. And I think even in seasons that we don't feel it, we somebody in our life is going through it. You know, we have a girlfriend that's deeply struggling with infertility or something that's just really on our heart. So today I just wanted to chat. I just, you know, it's interesting as someone who is a self-help teacher, let's say, for lack of a better phrase, and I'm just always sharing what I am doing to help myself. But I almost feel like there's been so much in the last 20 months and and still coming in the months to come that it's like I haven't been able to fully, not only fully share it because some of it was too private, too sensitive, it wasn't the right time, but also I haven't been able to synthesize it. You know, when there's so much going on, I feel like I will have been through such an incredible change cellularly in who I am over these couple of years. And it's sometimes I, I, I don't have a succinct bow on it to be like, hey, here's what I was learning this week. Here's what I was doing. It feels so deeply interrelated. I said to my best friend the other day, I film videos all the time lately where I just talk to the camera for an hour and I don't I don't know what what purpose they're for. I don't know if anyone's ever going to see them. I don't know if they're becoming a book one day, but I just I don't have 90 seconds. I I can't I can't distill it down because I'm really in the thick of it and there is so much and so I 
feel a little, it's like I feel overly full with information and wisdom and insights to share and yet empty because they haven't poured out yet from like the inner bowl into the outer bowl where I can kind of share with the collective. So anyways, I guess that's a little bit heavy and I said that I was going to keep this light. So I am headed on a trip in a couple of hours. We are going to chase sunshine and I just thought the way that y'all responded to the heaviness of this weekend and what you have shared over the last seasons, maybe you as well just need some chattiness, just some companionship, just some thinking about things that matter. They're not just complete fluff, but they don't require a lot of us. I think that's the big difference. I don't necessarily want to take in things that are just pure cotton candy, but it's different when you don't have to be deeply introspective about areas that you were really trying to work through and change and all of that. So let's start with guilty pleasures. So the concept of guilty pleasures, generally, I am not at all a fan of because what we usually mean is that we feel guilty resting or we feel guilty that we're not being more productive. Like I was talking about the cotton candy. It's that we feel guilty doing that. And you know, I say that I don't want stuff that's cotton candy, but that's not really true because like, man, I love it when the Kardashians have a season that's on. Like... It just is such escapism for me. And so I totally rescind what I previously said. I do love cotton candy at times. And there is nothing wrong with the cotton candy because we do not have to be productive all the time. And I know that you know that. I know that you've heard that. But do you just need to hear it again today, this week, this weekend, that you do not have to feel guilty for doing nothing. You do not have to feel guilty for a three-hour television binge or reading a light novel or just sitting outdoors listening to music and just staring into the the ethers. Um, You don't need to feel guilty for those things. However, I've really been thinking the last few months about the pleasures that we should feel guilty about that we should feel guilty about as a society. And I'm not necessarily saying that you and I do this, but I'm going to show you how I actually was doing some of this. And I I didn't feel guilty about it then, and I do feel guilty about it now. And this started when I read Prince Harry's memoir. Now, I asked on Instagram, the majority of y'all had not read this book. So I am not going to go on and on and gush Though if more of you were into it, I would have done an entire podcast episode on it because I was so – I was obsessed with this book. I loved this book. And, you know, I think part of it was this same kind of girlfriend chat that we're talking about. I just got to escape into another world and yet it was totally deeply fascinating to me and it didn't feel fluffy. It felt actually very convicting and compelling by the end, which I'll get to, but in the beginning – It was just very fascinating to realize that we've never really heard from anyone who is royal. They really don't, they don't speak, you know, the queen's adage was never, never complain, never explain. So they really don't speak. And it hadn't occurred to me for as much as I know about the monarchy, I wouldn't say I'm monarchy obsessed, but I'm certainly familiar with it. My family has lived in London a variety of times. My parents are Anglophiles. Like my whole family loves London. It's kind of our family city. And so I'm certainly aware of them. And I think just that realization of this whole family, we know through other people's words and depictions. We know through movies and articles or images, but we don't actually know them. And I think that was the first thing that I sort of realized I have opinions about these people and I've never heard from them. And I kind of questioned that in myself of how easy it is, especially when this just happens growing up, right? It's not like all of a sudden at 33 one day, I was like, you know who I am going to learn about is the royals. Like they were just always there. I remember when Princess Diana's car crashed. Like it just, you know, I went to a party. We watched Mary and Harry and Meghan's wedding. Like it just, it was always 
there. And so first I realized I, I don't actually know these people that I have opinion. It hasn't been their story. And that was a little bit convicting. Then realizing what it was like to be a teenager under the pressure of the paparazzi. You know, we think that we have all of these fantasies in American society about royalty and princesses and like how many Hallmark-esque movies, Christmas-type made-for-TV movies are about princes and princesses and it's usually like, you know, the the Anne Hathaway movie of the girl who doesn't know that she's a princess. Didn't Lindsay Lohan do a movie where she becomes a princess or she meets the guy and he turns out he's a prince and so she's going to become a princess. Like we are so into that. And goodness, when I think about the content that my niece has taken, how much of it is about princesses. I mean, you know, Frozen is all about princesses and so many of those Disney narratives are this idealism of how magical it would be to be royal. And to truly hear the story, you just realize we have made this up. I mean, the whole thing was made up, right? Like one day, some family long, long ago in a kingdom far away, some family decided we have money, we have power, we have status. We will say that God has decreed we are over the other families here and they should bow in our presence. Like, we just made it up. <laughs> it's not real. It just happened. We just had power and dynasties over time, but they weren't actually anointed by God. They just had the most power and the most influence to write the stories to say, this is the way it should be. Our race is better. Our body type is better. Our religion is better. I mean, we see this all, all across. And so I shouldn't, I shouldn't use the example of our religion is better. So I, I rescind that one from the record. But our race is better. Our our family is higher than your family. Our, our body type, like we talk about this a lot in my style book, but you realize like we just made this up. And then also we we then as the as the plebeians, as the common people, bought into the narrative even more that the people at the top are special and are happier and we would be happier if we were like them. If our skin was lighter, we would be happier. If our bodies were smaller, we would be happier. If our houses were bigger, we would be happier. We see this narrative everywhere. And then you hear this account and you realize what a miserable upbringing it is to be a teenager and have the nation that has the worst paparazzi in the world be obsessed with you and have politics within your own family because your own family members are each worried about their own power and perception and image because they know it's all a story. Now, this is not Harry saying it. This is me saying it. But they know it's all a story. And so if the public and the press turns on them, and, and people start to realize that the emperor has no clothes on, then the whole ho house of cards crumbles. So the empathy that I felt with him, not only losing a mother, which is so traumatic, having no therapy, no affection, no processing, little things like it never occurred to me that he's never hugged his grandmother. It just didn't, I didn't think about it. And you just realize to be a small child and never be sh the only person who showed you physical affection. And again, this is my my words, like highlighting what he did or didn't share. But the only person who showed you affection is your mother. And then your mother is gone and you are deeply grieving as an 11-year-old or something. And you have a, a, a cold father, a grandmother that no one's allowed to touch, a brother that is being groomed to be king. I mean, I just the compassion that I felt. And Throughout the book, ultimately what it compelled me on personally was realizing that I don't want to be complicit in consuming media that is based on rumors or paparazzi images. And I really started to look at the news I consume different – sorry – let me reframe. I don't really mean the news. I mean if I look at like page six, people.com, Us Weekly, all that sort of stuff, and realizing 
there is a difference between Kylie Jenner released the name of her baby. Okay, well, that's, I don't follow Kylie on Instagram. So yeah, that's interesting to me. I'm into the Kardashians. I want to know what the baby name is. I love baby names. (laughs) Like, I love names. So yeah, I want to click on that article. But she released the name. So there's no invasion of her privacy. She chose to share it. I'm just not following her on Instagram. But if it is... Florence Pug holds hands with new beau. I'm like, oh, that's an invasion of her privacy. She didn't publicly share this on her profile, so I'm not going to click on this. And it's really interesting how easily you can separate when you look at those headlines. Is this a rumor, an allegation, a paparazzi photo, someone who is captured in a private moment? Or is this something that someone elected to share as part of their narrative that they are in control of when they guessed it on a podcast, when they gave an interview, when they posted something on their social media. And that is just part of the the light pleasure that we talk about of like, oh yeah, I don't know, this person, like red carpet gala, you know, gowns from the Oscars, like all of this is just, it's joy, it's fun. And if people want to share what's happening in their lives, Wonderful. No worries. So it really started to affect how I consume media, what I will click on. And because I realized I can feel pleasure from seeing what what, what Kylie Jenner's baby name is, let's say, from all those sort of fluffy things. But I don't have to feel guilty about that. It actually is right for me to feel guilty about clicking on a paparazzi image or a rumor because that is hurtful to someone else. And I am gaining pleasure at their expense. And that is the rare instance of pleasure we should actually feel guilty about is when it's hurting someone. How we misappropriate the term now, in my opinion, is that we feel guilty to ourselves because we aren't constantly producing, because we're resting, because we aren't always cramming our brains with new information. And that we need to release. But I actually think as a society, we are not aware enough about appropriately feeling guilty at taking pleasure at something that causes someone else pain. And I say that because I was doing this. I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't, I'm not over on like hate forums or something. I'm just not thinking that there's a difference between a photo that someone has posted or released and a paparazzi photo. And I think just hearing someone document throughout their life from such a young age, I mean, they had to do photo calls when they would go on family ski vacations. And it's like, you aren't allowed to do anything that's just for you. People, it's like the Truman Show. You are a zoo animal and people feel entitled to you. And, and because the narrative is you, you, we pay for you. But the truth is the monarchy makes a ton of money for England as far as tourism and things like that. And they're a very wealthy family. <laughs> like they could stop being the monarchy and they, they've got a lot of land and they got a lot of houses. So like they're not really getting anything out of it. Harry would have been raised in affluence either way. But Bill Gates's children are not hounded by the paparazzi and they too have wealth. I don't even know if Jeff Bezos has children. I've never seen a photo of Elon Musk's children except for I think he has a trans child or a child who's a member of the LGBTQ community that um that spoke out against him. But again, that was that person sharing their narrative. His other kids, I don't know. So you can grow up in privilege and affluence and not have this be a part of your life. So then I watched the Pamela Anderson documentary. Also highly recommend that one. Another example of, I think, just also my generation, it's like, you know, I, yeah, Baywatch was like, Pamela Anderson is older than me. Baywatch was the thing, I guess, when I was growing up. I didn't really watch it, but you just, you knew who she was in culture. But by that point, it was already a cultural narrative that we don't even realize we were taking in. that she is this sex symbol and she wants to be seen in this way and all of these things. So anyways, the whole Pamela and Tommy Lee sex tape incident, really know nothing about that. If you said that sentence, I'd be like, I guess I guess I know that's a thing. I guess I know he's a musician. I don't really know any more than that. But 
watching this documentary, it really is heartbreaking. It's really an instance again of something released without someone's consent that other people made millions of dollars on and they never got a cent. And yet the same story of judgment is there, which is like, well, you asked for this. You asked for this because you posed in Playboy. Well, you got paid to pose in Playboy and you could have elected not to pose in the next Playboy. You remained in control of your narrative and your body. But when a private video is stolen from your home and then distributed and other people are making money off of it, that is not at all the same thing. And yet I realized it never had occurred to me to feel empathy for Pamela Anderson. I mean, didn't, I didn't feel lack of empathy. I just didn't I didn't feel anything. I just wasn't very knowledgeable about the scenario. And I know that recently there had been a TV show out about them and I just wasn't interested, so I hadn't watched. But watching this documentary, you realized she wasn't asked if if she was okay with this documentary. This this docu-series, rather. Whereas the one that was done on Monica Lewinsky, which I also didn't watch, but she was a advisor on that. That feels phenomenally different. She got to say, yes, I'm okay with this being told. I'm going to make sure that it is, I can stand by the way it's told. I'm also going to benefit from the fact that it's told. Other people aren't making money. That's a guilty pleasure. You should feel guilty that you are making money when the other person isn't. If they are, and it's their story, if they are a part of it, then great. Now they're getting to tell their narrative. And so I felt so glad that I hadn't watched that docuseries because it's different to me when when I'm watching Inventing Anna or the dropout about Elizabeth Holmes. Both exceptional shows, by the way. I'm watching the story of someone who committed a crime, and you're trying to understand how did this crime occur? Because it feels it feels so outlandish. It feels so hard to believe. Now, again, this is a person who committed a crime. When it comes to a Prince Harry or a Pam Anderson, they didn't do anything wrong. They're just living their life. They're just skiing. They're just going to a party at 16 years old. They're just, and and having drug rumors made up about them that aren't true. They're just having sex with their husband. Like, they're not doing anything wrong. And now it has, like, kind of been, you know, exploited into this entertainment. And then there's... A gal that someone posted about on Instagram, I started following her. I shared about it in my stories. Brianna Media, I think is how you say her last name. Instagram, I I just wish there was better terms for all of this because I just think we don't respect the term influencer. I don't like to be called an influencer. I don't resonate with being called an influencer. But then what the heck do you describe someone that has a large Instagram following Unless we're, you know, we don't describe Selena Gomez as an influencer. We're like, she is a musician and she happens to have a following. But a lot of people have built their careers through building the following into the careers. Anyways, I digress. Um, Basically, I just hate that I don't have a clean thing to say about what my career is and what I do with my life. And I never have because I hated it when I was in musical theater as well. And there's times when I really, I just desperately want to have like a simple way to be like, oh yeah, I'm a this. And everyone's like, oh, I know what that is. So anyways, Brianna Medea, I do not know her backstory. She is a New York Times bestselling author. And she, what I mean is I don't know the following, the backstory of like how she gained her following, but she has been the victim of a, hideous bullying hate thread for years now that she worked with a private investigator to find out the identities of these anonymous people who have been attacking her, threatening her, threatening her friends, making up lies, getting her fired from jobs, losing her income, sharing her address publicly, like just just defaming her for years. And she finally put it all together and has started releasing it. And I am so grateful that she has done this. Uh, It is hideous what happened to her. It is 
so traumatic and traumatizing and releasing the names doesn't make it okay. It doesn't, it will never be okay for her. But what she's doing is her best to reclaim the narrative for herself of what happened to her so that partially to reclaim the narrative of what happened to her, but also she's having the courage to come forward knowing she will get more hate and more criticism simultaneously from that certain group of people. And as much support as you're going to get, it takes like 99 positive people to drown out the one. So it is still incredibly draining to be getting that. But I, I know, just kind of kindred spirit to kindred spirit, that the reason that she's doing it is because she wants to protect other people. She wants to blow up the idea, the belief, the false belief, or the present belief right now, that what you say online can be anonymous and that you can speak to people in such a way and say things about people and ruin people's lives off of nothing. I mean, truly, she she lost jobs because people people threatened to wanted her book contract canceled because they made up lies about her that they had absolutely no proof of. But the brands just went with it because they didn't have they weren't motivated enough to and they didn't it didn't even occur to them to ask I don't think in most cases what proof do you have what proof do you have can you show me any proof of what you are saying and there was no proof so i mean to truly go after someone's income over lies that you are perpetuating and that within these forums people would have multiple handles and they would be having conversations with themselves like it's making it seem like there's a there's more people in here than there are because one girl is having three conversations with three different of her profiles just to be like get this rumor out there anywhere. and so her point is basically i'm not interested in like publicly shaming these people I want your employers to know what you have done because you went to my employers and I hadn't done anything and you had no proof. But I'm going to go to your employers and here is the proof. I want your family to know what you have done. I want you to be accountable to the people in your life for the trauma that you are inflicting because you're only doing it, I believe, because you think you are anonymous. And if we can realize that nothing is anonymous online, then will we start to have kinder behavior and less cruelty that leads to trauma and suicidal ideation and devastation. Like that is the definition of a guilty pleasure. And I cannot fathom that anyone in this community is a part of those trolling sites, leaves those trolling comments on Instagram, has those backup burner accounts that trolls people in DMs. I mean, the number of my friends that it has happened to, I just, I can't believe that anyone in our community would do that. Therefore, on the one hand, let us say, that is the definition of a guilty pleasure. So let me not shame myself for taking a couple hours to watch Emily in Paris. That is not something to feel guilty about. I am not causing harm. I am not causing cruelty. Dear self, I like have my head on like my my chest and on my stomach. Like stop feeling guilty for just resting. What we want to feel guilty about is being cruel. And Hillary realized herself Ooh, I think half these articles I'm clicking on are actually unkind. I never thought about it that way. Now that I've thought about it, because I'm not someone that wants to be unkind and cruel, I'm just like, nope, not interested, not clicking. I'm just seeing it in a different way that I had not seen before. And the other kind of spectrum of that is we have guilty pleasure. And I don't know if it's the other side of the spectrum, but like, We feel guilty when we are feeling pleasure over these things that really are just allowing ourselves to not be productive, to not in this moment be part of a capitalistic marketing society that always has to be producing, that always has to be improving. We can just be. We can just live. We can just rest. We need to do that sometimes. But then we also can feel guilty about 
inaction. Like where it's not that we feel guilty that we're taking in the pleasure, but we feel guilty about the thing that we're not doing just in general, maybe because we're taking in the pleasure, maybe we're not. So I will close on, I shared this on stories for the last two weeks now. I have been going to the gym and this is a huge deal for me. I mean, when I started the podcast, which was spring 2019, 2021, 22, 23, I always have to count on my fingers. Almost four years ago, I started this podcast and I was going to Pilates for the first time. I was like, guys, I'm working out. Now, this is not really about working out. The reason that I share this is because I want to share the element of my life that I keep struggling with to do well. And yours may be another area and maybe working out is not the thing for you and you're in a great rhythm about it or you don't move your body and that is not bothersome to you at all, whatever. For me, it is a constant source of guilty inaction. And I know that I'm not caring for my body well. I know I'm not taking the best care of my brain. I'm not giving myself the best longevity. I'm not giving myself the best pain prevention later in life. Like, that's where all of it is for me. And in the same way, if I was just like eating crappy food all the time, it's not for me about my weight or the way my body looks. And that is purely coming from a place of privilege that I am naturally a thinner person. I have been heavier at times in my life and been very insecure about it. But by and large, for the majority of my life, the the motivation to work out is not aesthetic. And while that is privilege, it also is a little hard because that is the main reason we talk about socially to work out. And so if you don't really have that pain point, then it can be a little harder to really feel, you know, see the value in it because everybody talks about the outside. And yet I know there's so much value on the inside. So why do I not work out? (laughs) I mean, you, you ultimately, whatever it is for you, why are you not doing your face routine at night? Why are you not meditating? Why are you not calling your friends more? Why are you not cooking instead of doing takeout? Like whatever it is, it's you have to give something else up. Like you, you're doing something else either with that time in your day or with that willpower and self-motivation to be disciplined or with that mental energy to figure it out. Like you're doing something else. And you, at least no one in my life, I don't think any of us, you don't need to feel guilty about the fact that you're not doing it because you're doing so many other good things. And it's a challenge to find the space, the time, the focus, the energy, the wisdom to do all of the wise things that we want to do, to parent, to eat healthy, to build relationships, to work on our mental health, to get to church, to, you know, whatever, all the things, it's a lot. And so I realized as well, there's a sense of guilt and failure that I feel at that inaction. And when I said at the top, like, I'm working on how can I feel lighter, I'm just noticing if I make myself feel heavy and shamed about that, then I want to do it less. Like it feels even heavier and harder to, you know, get out of there. And so for me, I was thinking like, what is it that I started giving up that's allowed me to get into this rhythm? And let me say again, y'all, I was going to Pilates four years ago when I started this and I lasted for a couple of months. And then I barely went for years. I worked out a little bit during the pandemic when we were doing like at-home workouts when we were hiding out in Arizona. So I went through like another little phase there. Then in the fall, Jeremy and I started going to uh, yoga in our neighborhood. But unfortunately, the only yoga in our neighborhood, these are going to be like first world problems here. The only yoga in our neighborhood is hot yoga. And my poor delicate flower of a husband who is very fair skin, his body literally cannot handle it. Like he is miserable. He is sweating for hours afterwards. He feels sick to his stomach. He just does not do well in extreme heat. And I do fine with it, except that then my hair is a disgusting, sweaty mess. And I don't want to have to, on top of getting dressed, going to the yoga class, going to the, like being there, walking home, that's already an hour and a half of my day, to then have to wash my hair, put product in, dry my hair, curl my hair. Like, I don't want to have to go through 
all of that. So to be honest, I actually was loving though going to yoga. I was feeling great. And I say this so often in the Healing Burnout course, in the Elegant Excellence Journal, once you feel good doing something, you just want to do more of it. And so I think a lot of times if we can just get ourselves trying to do the thing, we can see, is there a chance this actually is going to feel good and it's going to be easier to get into? There's going to be more value. I'm going to feel more endorphins from this. I'm going to see more results from this. I'm going to feel more freedom or relaxed or more connected, less only, whatever it is that I'm looking for. If I feel better, then I'm going to stick with it. So I really did feel good about going to these classes, but it just wasn't, it wasn't practical, the extra hours that I was having to add in. So in this case, it started out with habit stacking. Something that, you know, I mean, how long ago did did we all read Atomic Habits? Like these, this is not a new concept, the concept of habit stacking, something that you were already doing, you add on top of it. So it started because I posted on Instagram, and this is why also I just value community. It's why I'm so excited about the Elegant Excellence community that we have that you can join today, by the way, at the journal shop link below. And we have a a special discount when you join as a journal owner. But the reason I wanted to create that was because I wanted a, a more reciprocal place for community. I have such privilege as a creator that when I have a problem, when I have a question, when I have a challenge, I can ask and get hundreds of responses and and so much empathy and help and advice back. And I want you to be able to have the same. And so often you come to me for advice on something and I help you privately in DMs. And I think there's another 50 women here that all could benefit from this, but I'm just doing this one-on-one with you. Like this isn't the best use of my time to be doing this privately in DMs or you're, you're liking or commenting back on someone's response to my post on Instagram, but then you're not really like, you're not following up again. You're not building the relationship there to keep going deeper on the conversation. So I threw out, and it was like so silly that I even asked this. I was basically like, what do you guys do to stay warm? Because I, I'm freezing. Like winter is getting harder for me in New York (laughs) the last couple of years. It just is breaking my spirit, hence getting on a plane today because as I said last night on stories, literally two weeks ago today, on Tuesday, March 1, I I like hit rock bottom. I I lost it by 11 a.m. And I was like, I have to be on a plane tomorrow. <laughs> now there's a lot of reasons for this and I'll share this longer stretch of really impactful 11 days in my life at another time. But the thing I will say that put me over the edge that day and why I was like, it has to be tomorrow, is because there is construction that was happening in our building. It has been happening since October and you never know when it's going to come. And that day was one of the worst days and the next day was one of the worst days. And you just don't know how long it's going to stay for. You don't know how bad it's going to be. And I was like, I, I can't think. Like I couldn't Imagine being so burned out and so overwhelmed and so stressed and then having a jackhammer in the room next door, like for hours. And of course, you're just like, I, I, can't, I, can't, I, I can't function. I can't function. I have to get out of here. I have to get on a plane. I have to go somewhere. So I, I waited two weeks and we are going someplace today. But where is my train of thought going? Oh, that winter is breaking me. And this happens every year. It's so funny. It was like early... February. So Jeremy and I kind of know we got to take a trip someplace warm in the middle of winter. And it, it always like sneaks up on us. You're like, yeah, I think I'm okay right now. Like early February. Like I don't really feel like I need to spend the time and energy on that. Like six weeks in, you're like, yeah, I'm still feeling good. And then it, I feel like if I went back and look at my calendar, I wonder if I would see this pattern. I don't know if it's always in March, but it just at some point it just hits. And it's like, I must have sunshine tomorrow. Like I need sunshine immediately. I have, there's literally wind whipping by the window in my office as I record this. And I'm just like, sunshine, I am coming for you tomorrow. It's not even that warm where we're going most of the time. But like, anyways, we're able to stay at a family friend's condo, which I am incredibly grateful for. And I was like, if this is, if this is free, then amazing. If it is free and warmer, we are blessed and grateful and we will take it. So what I put on Instagram stories was 
how do you cope with cold? Because I am freezing all the time. I don't feel like I'm normally this cold and I don't know. I just feel even colder this year. And somebody said, go to the sauna, except you do have to walk back home in the cold. And I realized I have a sauna in my building and I've used it one time like three years ago. And this woman is leaving her house and walking home in the cold and she's paying for this thing and I have it right here. And we talked about this in a previous episode that I was like, what, what is right in your vicinity that you aren't using? You know, what is like right in your medicine cabinet, in your beauty counter, in your closet, in your neighborhood um, that you are not taking advantage of? So I started going to the sauna and I loved it. Now, I had gone years ago, and obviously, I didn't love it. Like, I went, and it just didn't speak to me at the time. But, you know, part of it was the idea that had been planted. I was seeing my friend Sadie. I think she's Sadie Jane on Instagram. She has a sauna in her backyard. And she is often in there, and she shares a lot of wisdom and takes really good care of, like, her mental health, her spiritual health, her physical health, like, all the things, and in just, like, a really – welcoming way, not in a like aggressive, I'm perfecting my body way at all. And so I think seeing her had planted the seed of this is a nourishing, relaxing, rejuvenating, replenishing thing. And I think I just didn't have that vision. I went a couple years ago and I was like, I don't get it. I'm just sweating. I just, why are we all sitting in this box sweating? And it's also just a good reminder to be like, yeah, different things hit you at different times. Something that is is working for everybody else just is not the thing that's working for you. So I think actually, I'm realizing right this minute that Sadie had been planting the seeds for that. And I didn't even realize that then when this person said this, I was like, let me try it out. And I loved it. It just like really started to feel so good and nourishing. And I think part of it was that it was so cold. Maybe the last time I went, it was like summer and it wasn't speaking to me in the warmth way. But I also just think maybe I was not in such a tough life space when I went before and I just wasn't in this real hunger for, I have got to heal my burnout. I have got to care for my body. I have got to restore my nervous system. Like this is the only way to survive is to treat myself as beautifully as I can. And so this is, this is a necessary part. And so I got into that rhythm and then I just realized the gym is right next door. Like uh, What if I just, you know, what I first started to do, let me take the, let me, let me go back. And the reason I'm breaking this down is because I think it is like how we get into it. And I may have shared this on another podcast episode. So apologies if I'm repeating myself. This is where my brain is at these days that I just, it's like, I, I, like I said, I have little bits of wisdom to share now. The deeper wisdom doesn't feel like it's synthesized. And even the, the lighter bits of wisdom, I'm like, have I, have I just journaled about this? Have I, recorded a video on this that I'm not sharing yet? Have I just talked about this on stories or did I already talk about this on a previous podcast episode? But I was just so burned out two weeks ago in that rock bottom day where I was like, I have to get on a plane tomorrow. That because I did not buy a plane ticket that day, that night I was just like, well, I have to use whatever tools I have. And so I was like, I've got to go to the gym. And so the next day I tried going to the gym my morning was chaotic. I literally was there for five minutes and I was like, okay, it's just about building the practice. And I was trying to go in the mornings because that's what I'd always associated it with. And that was just what I had tried before. This is a great wisdom as well. I had tried before morning, noon, and night. And I had found out that like afternoon worked well for me for Pilates. And then I stopped Pilates. So obviously afternoon wasn't working well. And then I did the mornings with the yoga and I was like, this is working well. This is what I will do. But I obviously hadn't gotten back into that in the beginning of the year. I was going to do bar class instead. And this year, big top of the year was just crazy. Like I had it all mapped out last week of December. I looked up what time the classes were. I decided what days of the week I was going, like all of the things. And then a new employee quit before they'd even started five minutes into the beginning of my work year and everything fell apart. And then I just kept going from there. So I... I was fixated on mornings. And then it was this new idea of, well, I'm already going to the sauna at night. What if I just try it then? And just just trying new elements adding on top of each other. So I don't know that this is going to stick for like, you know, the rest of my life. But I don't want to focus on that because that brings in the heaviness. If I'm like, okay, don't share this publicly because four years ago you shared about Pilates and then you failed and that's that's embarrassing. And no, it's not embarrassing. I was trying. 
I'm still trying. This is me trying. That was a combination initially of last five years with an incorrect lyric and then Taylor Swift, which was actually like the mashup I was going for. Or it was actually what I meant to sing, but in my head there was a mashup happening. I realized that I, yeah, I was trying at Pilates. That was, that was fine. It was fine to, to try. And then I tried at yoga. Like I'm still trying. I'm still trying in a lot of areas in my life, right? But most of them are just not so obvious as I went or I didn't. My patience, my anxiety, my mental health is just not as easy to track on a calendar as whether or not I'm going to a, a workout class or going to the gym. So it's a, it's a heaviness to say don't celebrate that you've been to for two weeks because you might quit in another two weeks. And you're like, okay, well, then I went for a month. Like that, that wasn't nothing. That, that helped me in that time, that I did something wise in that moment. And I don't have to do it for forever. Oh, my mom just texted. <laughs> I forgot to turn off my phone. She said, is there any problem with your flight? I saw a storm is coming. Let's hope there's not a problem with my flight, mama. But, um, Right now it is snowing outside, so we will cross our Jesus fingers and see. So it's it can be light in my thinking. I don't have to feel guilty if I am not going to the gym again in a few weeks. I mean, I, I or or I can I can deal with it then. If if I do feel guilty, why is that? I can unpack that. But for right now, I just had to say, for, first of all, the habit stacking helped, but then I also had to look at. What am I, when I said earlier, you have to give up something. You have to give up something you were doing with that time, with that willpower, with that mental energy in order to say yes to something else. If you're not working out right now or meditating or calling your your friends or your mom or whatever, you got to give something else up in order to say yes to that. And the thing, if the things you're saying yes to right now are bringing you joy and meaning or results or whatever, you're not a bad person then for not necessarily for giving those up. So for me, I will say, as we wind down here, that the the things I realized I gave up is mostly more time watching TV, which initially was not a guilty pleasure because it's a huge part of my wind, or just in general, my wind down routine. We have a whole module on this, or a whole class on this, uh, rather inside my healing burnout course, crafting a wind down routine has been so massive for me. For getting to bed on time, which means waking up on time, which means having good mornings, which means being able to fall asleep at night, which means being able to shut off work, not carrying that anxiety around with me. Like it has so many repercussions. So watching TV is part of my wind down routine. And there was nothing wrong with that. But now that I'm starting the wind down routine with the working out and the sauna, There's less time for watching TV, but I don't need as much of the time for watching TV because I'm still getting the wind down time. If I just cut the wind down time to work more, it wouldn't have worked. But because I'm just replacing it with something else that's a wind down, I'm like, oh, I mean, it wasn't that I was so into those TV shows. I just knew I can't work up until when I want to go to bed and then think I'm just going to be able to shut my brain off and fall asleep. That doesn't work. There has to be a wind down in the middle. So that was TV. Now it is it is more this sauna and the working out. And the other part of it is I have to have a set out time at work. And I am having to wrap up work earlier because the amount of time I'm like going to the gym for an hour, I'm going to the sauna for you know 20 minutes. By the time it's all said and done, it's like over an hour and a half. I'm still going to watch TV when I sit down and eat dinner because I'm not eating dinner while I'm doing those things. So it's it still is taking more time collectively. But it's like I took part of it from the TV time. And then part of it is just saying, I've got to walk away from work. And friend, the, the work is never done. <laughs> I've never gotten through what I needed to do. It's – and I – this is a new – Again, I don't want to say too much about it because I'm, I've been really pondering lately. Do I need to be even more firm with my work hours and accept I'm only going to get 95, 90% done in a month, let's say, of what I would have if I worked the extra hours. But 
will will that still be worth it? Because the extra, I, I was going to get 5%, like I was going to get 10% more from working really hard, but I was going to lose 5% because I was so burned out. I'm no longer being effective, efficient. I'm making more mistakes. I'm not thinking clearly. So if I'm, if I'm only losing 5% effectiveness and productivity, but I'm not burned out, is that actually a worthy trade-off. So anyways, I am pondering that, but for now, just very lightly, it is starting with more clarity of, I now actually want to go to the gym. It actually feels like a natural thing that my body wants to do. And I've never really been a, a good meditator either. And I wonder if there's those of you that have felt the same with that. It, I now crave meditating. Actually, that's how I feel now about journaling. I crave journaling. I, I crave having that time. If I am too busy and I look at my Elegant Excellence Journal and I realize I have not written in it in a week, in two weeks, I'm like, oh my gosh, I, that's why I'm it, – it's, it's proof that I am so burnt out and so exhausted that I have not had the time to to do this. And it's a, it's a sign that I'm having a lack of health and also it clarifies for me why I'm feeling – extra brain fried because I'm not having that time to sit down and have the conversation with myself. I'm just, I'm not slowing down so I can speed up. I'm just constantly trying to output and produce and I'm getting tired. And again, therefore I am making mistakes. So if there is something that that you want to be doing and you aren't doing, when it feels good, you will want to keep doing it. So I think the first part is how can I play with options and opportunities to let myself do it, to give myself that? What would it look like to get the Elegant Excellence Journal and take 10 minutes most mornings, not every morning, but most mornings? What would it take to create this space to just try this, to give this a try? What would it take to create the space to go move my body three days a week or whatever? You have to create the space for it first in order to see if it feels good. And often you have to do it for a little bit in order to see if it feels good. Like one time at the gym may not do it. One journaling session may not do it because you may not feel very strong or you may feel sore afterwards or it may make you feel more anxious when you first start sitting down to journal because you've been kind of afraid of your thoughts and holding all this inside. But it's actually not that bad. Once you like purge it all onto the page, it does not take very long to be like, oh, all right, I vomited all that anxiety up and now it's out. And now I'm not just carrying it around with me like a stomach bug refusing to just go through the momentary purge for long-term peace. But then once we get into, into the activity, if it doesn't feel good, then it either isn't the right fit or you don't have the right inner story about it. Like you're, it doesn't feel good because you aren't losing 10 pounds a week at the gym. And you're like, oh, I think that's the wrong story to have about this, that it's harsh, that it's hard, that it's result-oriented, that it's about my not being attractive enough, my not being thin enough, my not feeling beautiful enough. Like maybe there's a different story that has to do with me feeling kind to my body, connected to my body, working on my posture. And it's been a huge, huge thing for me. I filmed a uh, a story, uh, one of those videos I was talking about the other night where I just talked to my camera for an hour and I kept noticing, I because I'm being kinder to my body, I kept noticing throughout it that my shoulders would roll forward and I'd have horrible posture again. And I was like, oh my gosh, now that I am being kinder to my body, I'm just more aware about wanting to be kind to my body. And that's not even about the aesthetics of it. It's that I don't want to be a hunched over old lady. Like this is the story that I have. And so I'm working on that story. So you either don't have the right inner story about what the purpose of this is. What the purpose of journaling is, is to better understand yourself, to be better understood by yourself, to be able to tap more into your own inner wisdom, inner kindness, not have to go to your best friend, your mom, your partner, your therapist in order to get advice. Yes, all of those people, we want support systems and communities, but it's about saying, I don't want to have to feel like I have to go to somebody else for the answer. I want to be able to self-coach myself, and that only comes through having conversation with myself 
And that comes through writing and through speaking in my case, but the writing is where I have a record of it. I have it, I have it written down and I can go reread it and I can go back through my journal and underline things and highlight things and I can see themes that are coming up. And it takes a lot less time. In order for me to verbal process to myself, I need to sit there for like an hour sometimes. Whereas I can get to an insight faster actually when I'm sitting and journaling. I think it's the fact that I'm having the the thought and writing it. It's happening at the same time. So I had other things that I was going to take us into today. And I'm going to save those for a future girlfriend chat. And I am... Curious to see, we can talk about it over on stories and in DMs, what your take is on today's episode and whether doing something that is just chattier and lighter and what I've been thinking and going through. But of course, I guess because I am who I am, I feel like this episode still ended up more like life coachy and self-helpy than I thought when it started because I was like, oh, it's like Prince Harry and Pam Anderson and what's happening and these communities and going to the gym and developing new ha- – you know, like, I'm just like, oh, these are like the chatty things that are happening, but I guess the way I process things ends up being more life coaching in the end. So anyways, we have other things to chat about in a future episode. Let me know your thoughts over on stories and DMs, and I think we're just going to be in a season of – transition here in the community and with things that I know that I'm going to be able to share in the upcoming seasons and, you know, quarter quarter two, quarter three, feeling like we're going to be in just a more authentic, more connected place together coming soon. So I am off to chase some sunshine. It will not heal everything. It will not be enough to make up for everything, but it adds up. The small things adds up. Just like you not clicking on that story does not change the life of that person. But if a million of us do, it adds up. So why not be going in the right direction? You refraining from commenting negatively and being like, you know, I just don't need to comment. Like over time in someone's life, if enough people make that choice, it adds up. And so too, we don't have to commit that we're going to meditate or work out or journal or whatever it is every single day for the next three years in order for it to be a success, we can just start. We can just start. It adds up. And when we do something for two weeks, let's celebrate it instead of immediately thinking, oh, I don't know. It's probably like, I'm probably going to fail again. I'm probably going to quit. And then it's, you know, not going to be something like, well, it's something now. And that is a start. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately is my husband's mindset to make things that I want to make heavy feel lighter. And this just spontaneously came to me. I didn't even have this planned. I feel like this whole theme of lightness throughout this episode was just a little bit spontaneous in general. This was really just more of a stream of consciousness episode, and yet it came together, which is interesting. So basically, my example for this is we were leaving for the airport shortly here, and I started to cry last night because I feel guilty leaving our kitten, Mr. Freddy Cappuccino, because I felt like he was so neglected Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because Jeremy left on Thursday morning, and then while he was in the air, the site disappeared, and... Then Friday, was we were, we were rebuilding the site. Friday was the reveal party. After the reveal party, now we have to like, we have to write all new emails. We have to like rethink social. We have to do more tech on the back end. Like there's so much other work in addition to the site. We have to like regroup on everything, whatever. Then Saturday, I shared on stories. I um got, re- I went to get a massage and I got so dizzy. I was nauseous and I couldn't. I couldn't stand up. Well, I, I I made it out to like the waiting room, but then I had to sit there for half an hour before I could stand up to pay with my credit card and leave him a tip because I felt so nauseous because I was so dizzy. And I identified that I think I was – I just immediately was like, I think I am incredibly dehydrated. I don't think I took a sip of water probably for the last two and a half days. I never normally go and get massages – during the day, they're usually at night, so I have been drinking throughout the day, and I had done acupuncture the night before, the sauna, I've been going to the gym, I like all of these things that that make you dehydrated, and I also had not been drinking water. So I, I go to the chiropractor, because I had an appointment, it was right next door, 
I had a hair appointment. I have to text my mom and ask her to call for me. One, because I'm in a waiting room, so I'd have to like step outside. And two, because I'm like, I just don't like I I can't do anything else hard right now. I can't just like cancel this appointment, which I feel upset about having to do because I know I'm gonna have to pay for it anyways. But like I just I I'm sick. So I come home on Saturday. So again, of course, it's like I have no time to play with Freddie Thursday and Friday. I am swamped. Saturday, I am nauseous on the couch. Sunday, I am still working again. Meanwhile, Jeremy plays with him all the time. Jeremy's gone with his family for these four days. So he's back yesterday for one day. And then I'm just thinking that I'm so sad that we're leaving. We have our friend Zay who stays here. Zay and Freddie love each other, which is great. Zay has always been our cat sitter so far. But I just still feel guilty that it's like, dad, you know, Papa just got home and now we're leaving again. And Jeremy was just like, he's a cat. He just lives in the moment. I don't think he remembers what happened two days ago. I don't think he's adding up that I was gone and you were busy. He's not still thinking about it. I don't think his attention span is that short. If if something traumatic happened to him, like he got attacked by a dog, then yes, that's going to leave a mark and he's going to still be like impacted by that. But having a day where he sat on your lap more than getting to play with me is, you know, and maybe he like wished he could have gotten some more energy out. Like he's past that. He's not remembering that. He's not tracking on that. And Zay is going to be here. They're going to play. He's going to, you know, have this buddy. He's going to be fine. And I just appreciated (laughs) that reframe to be like, you're right. We don't know a lot about cats because they can't speak English. And so we can't really like find it exactly, you know, can't speak a language rather. Can't speak words. We don't really know what all is going on in their mind. But the idea that they are much more daily creatures makes sense, which is not to say that he won't miss us when we are gone, but it was really interesting. Like the the mama guilt that was maman guilt that was coming up in these last few days where I was having to coach myself, as so many of you who are I was gonna say actual parents. I never wanna like disparage pet parents by saying that's not actual parents, but then I also never wanna make it sound like when I'm talking about my pet, I think it's the same thing as a child. I wish we had a better name for pet parents. Again, I've said before, you know, I call us like papa and maman because it doesn't feel right to me to call Jeremy dad when like we don't have a kid. Anyways, so yes, I was feeling that same like maman guilt of. He is so sad that he wants to go out of the hallway. He loves going out of the hallway. But I want to go down and work out. And I'm like, I just can't, like, I know I need to do this for my wellness. I can't sacrifice my wellness and my healing for you to go out in the hallway. You will be fine. Or you want to go in the hallway and now I've come back from the sauna and I need to go take a shower. And for you to be in the hallway, I got to leave the door open and I'm not going to take a shower with the door to my apartment open. (laughs) So you've got to come in and I know you don't understand this, but I'm not going to sit here in these sweaty clothes and wait for you to be done playing. Like, so I've just had to kind of coach myself of I the same thing that I would say to any human mom, you have to put your own needs first. You have to put your own needs first. You cannot serve anyone from a place that is depleted. You will become bitter and resentful. And so too, I am going on this vacation and feeling guilty that we are leaving him and yet knowing that this is absolutely the wisest thing for our healing and that he will be fine and and your kids will be fine and your dog will be fine and everyone will be fine. The more fine you are, the more fine they will be. The healthier you are, the happier they will be. So I hope whatever it is in your world, you can take some absolutely non-guilty pleasure that feels incredibly light to you this week, this weekend. And I will be sharing what we are up to over on Instagram stories. So let's hang out. I'll see you there with grace and gumption. I'm right back here next Wednesday. You're welcome in advance. Till next Wednesday. 